Hey, everybody. Happy Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday. I don't know when you're listening to this. We've been publishing a lot of content here at Lions of Liberty, so maybe you're behind. Hopefully you're not. But if you are, we still love you. Just wanted to talk to you for a real quick minute here and uh, let you guys know about some of the cool we're doing with our friend Gret Glier over at Donor C. Uh, Gret has an awesome, awesome platform for helping people, especially in very poor countries. And we're partnering with Gret. We are uh, donating 10% of our Lions of Liberty Pride contributions um, to his uh, coronavirus efforts. And he is targeting um, helping people in the poorest parts of the uh, of the world to get, you know, even simple things like hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies and uh, being able to help them out through this very tough time. Um, you know, coronavirus is tough enough on us uh, in the first world here, as they say, uh, just navigating uh, through it and learning the new normal. In poorer countries, it is much, much worse. And if we can just do a little bit to help, um, it'll go a long way. And of course, with Donor C, you get to see uh, the impact that your donations have. You can follow it along and get updated videos. So check out more on this initiative at DonorC.com slash coronavirus. And you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride uh, by going to Patreon.com dot com slash lines of liberty and check out everything we offer there with the bonus content and perks and merchandise and all that good stuff let's get to the show welcome to felony friday a presentation of the lions of liberty podcast here is your host john odermatt Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. What is Felony Friday? Felony Friday is a show where every single week we're going to do a deep dive and we're going to examine and expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Now, if this is your first time listening to Felony Friday, your first time listening, to any of the shows we have here on Lions of Liberty, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, put your feet up. If you're driving, please don't put your feet up. But if you've been back several times, if this is a regular habit of listening, why haven't you subscribed? Or maybe you have subscribed. Thank you if you subscribed. But if you haven't, please do so. Whatever podcasting app you're listening on, please just Scroll up to the top there, punch that subscribe button, and uh, you'll get every single episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast and of Felony Friday delivered to your little listening device. And also, if you really enjoy what you're hearing here, please think about uh, giving us a a five-star rating and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, especially if you listen there, because it helps with the algorithms and all that crazy stuff. Without further ado, let's get rolling with today's show. All right. On today's show, I am joined by Tynese Hall. She was recently uh, granted clemency by President Trump on February 18th of this year. Um, This is after uh, being denied clemency back in uh, September 2016 uh, from President Obama. Uh, Tynese was sentenced to 28 years and seven months back in 2006 for charges of conspiracy to distribute uh, and possession with intent to distribute uh, both nonviolent crimes. 
All told, uh, Tynese served 13 years in prison after only having a minor prior misdemeanor uh, when she was charged with these uh, conspiracy charges. Tanise, welcome to Felony Friday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show and uh, having the courage to, to share your story because I think it's very important uh, for people to, to learn more about the truth about the criminal justice system and, and the truth about uh, how easy it is to, uh, to fall into a situation like, like you fell into. So we're going to get all into uh, what happened, how you got tied up, how you got arrested and ultimately charged and convicted and talk about your time in prison. But before we do that, just to help to set the stage for my audience so they get to know more about you, if you could just kind of start off by sharing just about your your background, where you grew up, your, your early years, and, and what that was like for you. Well, I was my, I'm born and raised in Lubbock, Texas. Um, I graduated high school. I started college or whatever. Um, I ended up getting involved with my boyfriend at a young, young age. Um, he was the drug dealer, the big, the big time guy in the city. And from where I came from, like it was appealing for me to date someone like that. And that's how me and him got together. I was raised in a two parent home. My mom and my dad, he's my stepfather. I don't know my real father like that. It's just me and my brother. Um, I had a good life. I'm not going to say I had everything, but my mom tried her best with what we did have. So um, I could say I had a, I think I had an okay upbringing. So at, at what age you, you said you got a, you got involved with, with a boyfriend. What, what age were you then? I had got involved with him at the age of 19. Uh, when I was 19, he was 31. Uh, me and him started talking. It was just like a small thing. My family was in the streets or whatever. And one of my older cousins introduced me to him to start like a conversation or whatever. And that's how me and him hooked up was through my cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you had a prior, um, prior to getting convicted of the conspiracy charge, you had um, something with a, writing a bad check or you were, you were on probation for? Yes, I was on probation. I had wrote a check and uh, one of my checks. No one else says I wrote my check and then I called and reported it stolen on some stuff. It was some stuff that like, you know, the younger girls just figure out, okay, well, I can get away with buying all these clothes and then call and report it and then they'll just put the money back in my account. Well, they called it theft mm-hmm. of a financial instrument. And I had got deferred adjudication probation for three years for it. I was due to be released off deferred adjudication two days after before two days after I got arrested. Wow. So so when you were arrested, did you have any idea that, that you were at risk at that time of of getting arrested, of of any sort of uh, consequences? Back then I always thought that I knew what he was doing, but as long as I'm not the one that's selling drugs or I'm not the one that's touching or involved with it, my mindset was always thinking that I can't get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. So I never knew about conspiracy. I never knew about uh, aiding and abetting. I never knew the law. I just thought that as long as it wasn't me, I can't get in trouble for it. And being like oblivious to the law, oblivious to the federal system is what got me where I was at because with me knowing what he was doing, I was just as guilty as a person that was doing it. 
Well, I mean, it, to be fair, that's what most people would think. I yeah. mean, th- that if you're not actively out there selling drugs, if, if you're not the one making those transactions, that I, I probably, I don't know, the, the vast majority of people would think that, I mean, you couldn't get in serious trouble for that, at least. That's what they would assume. Yeah. But, uh, you learn otherwise, that you can get charged with the exact same thing and you can get more time because mm-hmm. you weren't willing to cooperate with the police to tell them what they So what exactly to know. happened when the house was raided? Um, you were you were home alone or yeah. was he there? My house was raided. Me and him got into an argument the night before. It was just a little minor argument or whatever. He didn't come home that night. After then, um, the feds ran in my house at six o'clock in the morning and I was home alone. Well, with me being home alone and they searched my house, they did find weapons. They found guns. And they found some drugs that he had that night prior. And I got charged with all of that, plus any past dealings that he was doing. So because it's conspiracy, they say when two or more come together and basically conspire to do something, but you don't have to know the next person that done something with it. And because me and him had a relationship, they said I conspired with him to sell. And also they put the, the guns on you as well. Yes, the guns were put on me because I was at home and I was at home alone. And I think I remember reading from your uh, your background that they did fingerprints. They tested for fingerprints on the guns. Your fingerprints weren't even found on them. My fingerprints wasn't found on the guns. Um, like they were, the gun. One of the guns was in close proximity to me. It was in a drawer. It was in his drawer. But because I was home alone and the house is in my name, I was charged with all of them. So, so this all goes down, and you're uh, you're sitting in a uh, in, in a jail cell. Did you like at what point in time did you realize what kind of trouble you were in? What what, the, what kind of sentence you were facing? I didn't realize how big of trouble I was in until um, I got locked up February. So May is when they came back and told me that I was being indicted, conspiracy charges, and that I was looking at sixty years. And I couldn't believe 60 years and I'm just a dope boy's girlfriend. So, so that, that was, they were basing the 60 years just off of the conspiracy and the gun charges. The way they explained it, the way my lawyer explained it to me, it was being based off the conspiracy, the gun charges and me not willing to take a plea. And then the amount of drug. Mm-hmm. So was it only you and your your boyfriend at the time who were being charged or was it a, a larger? It was a big grade. Uh, when you look in the newspapers, they said it was the biggest drug grade in Lubbock, Texas, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big raid, and the biggest quantity came from him. And so they were basing it off the quantity that he had controlled buys with. And just so people out there who might not understand that when they say the quantity, that quantity could Correct me if I'm wrong. It could be based upon people who do decide to plea and then offer testimony, say, oh, yeah, I, I bought this much. I bought that much. That, that just They just take the word for it and that all counts. In the federal system, word of mouth is basically golden. It's the Bible. You can say without having actual proof, you can say that you, so I sold you this amount of drugs. And because they took a plea and they were willing to basically tell and say that this is what you did, those numbers start calculating up. And so Mm -hmm. if you say I sold you 230 grams and then the next person say I told you 230 grams, all those numbers become ghost dope. And that means it's basically in the air 
dope that has been sold, even though there's no actual proof of it. it uh, th- so throughout this process, you said your lawyer, was, was it a public defender? Yeah, had? I had a public defender. Um, I, with him, it was just like, it was just let him get it done and get it over with. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's, it's so important to highlight that, I mean, the difference between being able to hire a lawyer who has experience, you know, with, with drug cases like this and having a public defender, I mean, that's the difference between, you know, going to prison for more than 10 years or maybe not even going to prison at all. It's, uh, it's an incredibly broken system, incredibly broken. There we go. So when you ended up getting sentenced, well, I guess, I guess first of all, so did your boyfriend at the time, did he, did he plea or what happened with him? He ended up playing out to a 27 year plea. And mm-hmm. I just, at the time I wasn't willing to take a plea for something that for them to say that I actually soldier and I wasn't willing to do it. So I ended up going to trial and because I wasted their time, their money, I got the match. Yeah, they they throw they throw everything at you when you yeah. when you go to trial. Everything. And you're and you're thinking, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just just sitting back there. I was wasn't, you know, doing any illegal transactions. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. When you start reading up, like once I got incarcerated, and I started reading up. There's several women that are out here with the same cases like mine. Like you always think, or in the streets, you think that okay, as long as you're not doing it. But you learn, and you learn fast once they put them handcuffs on you. So there's, I mean, there's still women who are in prison. I see you're wearing a shirt, a shirt right now that has a lot of names listed on it. Is that? Uh, These those are some are, of the women that are still in prison. Uh, I have my free Lashonda, free Karen. I, a lot of the women is with the Fed Fam for Life company. Uh, my friend Trey, our Linda John, she's the co-founder of it. And so these are still women that they're working on. We still have like Miss Alice's release. So that shows you how old the names are. But we have the ones that are still in there that we're still fighting for. Michelle West, uh, LaShonda Hall, Lazarus Thordaz. There's a lot of women still in there that are mm-hmm. looking at the same things that done happens to them. We have Michelle West that has life sentences for a first-time offender. My God. And uh, but Alice Johnson, of course, um, who's you know pretty, sort of sort of famous in the in the movement. Um, yeah. She's been you know all all over the media. And uh, so did you did you do time with with Alice in prison? I did time with Alice in Carswell. We weren't um, social that much in Carswell, but in Aliceville's when we became real close. Uh, we lived close to each other, and we used to sit and talk and pray, and we had a good bond when it came to the clemency part because we both were denied the first the first two times by Barack Obama mm-hmm. and one day we were sitting and we were just talking about it and she was telling me asking me that I remember the time that the second time that we both got our denial letters and we were just sitting there and she basically was telling me that we're going to pray about it and soon we're going to be out and I just cried and we cried together and I just went off to my room because that was my second denial. So mm-hmm. I just thought I'd never get out. So, so after that time passed and you got that second denial, denial at uh, at what point in time did you start to see that a path towards towards getting out? Did, did you start to get some hope 
Well, after my second denial, uh, my friend, Trey Johns, um, mm-hmm. she wasn't really, we're, you're supposed to wait a certain time period before you file again. And she was ready to go full throttle. Like it was time to go. She was like, okay, we're going to refile. We're going to start doing this. They start the can do foundation, started doing the white house presentations. And I love Amy Povich for that. They started doing the sit-ins. They started doing the uh, picketing. They started doing all the different campaigning for the women. And that's when it was like, okay, something's opening. Something's happening because we started doing more people start signing my petition. I started getting different letters from people. Um, Trey wasn't going state to state to state to state doing different kind of uh, campaigning, helping getting more signatures for me. So when Fed Fam for Life and Can Do joined together also with the Cut 50, it started literally opening up paths and doors to people that were oblivious to what was going on. And they start noticing that the mass incarceration was a serious problem. Mm hmm. It's. I mean, it's, it's so cool that so, so much of this, uh, you know, really prison reform movement, um, mm-hmm. especially around non nonviolent offenders, it's being driven by people who have been through the system. Exactly. And they're, it's, you know, when they get out, they're not just sitting back and saying, hey, I'm out. They're turning around and saying, well, let's get everybody else out. So, I mean, that's I think that's one of the coolest parts of this whole story to see. I love happen. it. I love it because it's like, OK, you there's no one left behind. So. Let's pay it forward. And what I can do to help my sisters that are still in there that's going through the same thing, it gives you hope to continue to pay it forward to the next person. And it's like mm-hmm. a platform for you to say your story, to show you that there's more like us. It just didn't happen to one person. It happened to many in the prison system. Right. So I want to turn the page back to your time in prison. Um you served 13 years and you were on a, what was your original, your original sentence was 28 years. My original. So yeah, 365, 360 months plus 60 months. I hate how they do it in months. It makes, it, <laughs> it makes you sit there and calculate like, okay, well, 24, 36. <laughs> yeah. I'm counting on my fingers and toes. But, <laughs> um, God, uh, wait, it's ridiculous. The amount of time. So when you first started serving that sentence, was there anything that, you can attribute to uh, helping you deal with, with, with that to really, you know, fix your, or get your mindset right to, to be in order to be able to serve that time. No, like, it's like you're thrown in a basement and you're there to deal with it on your own. It took like the women that you, you come together with the women that are there and like you join, it becomes like a family. You get the older women that's done a lot of time and they like, take you under their wing. Like when I first got locked up, I was 22. So I was angry. I was upset. I was depressed. I went through a lot of anger, like a lot of emotions that came out a lot. It makes me cry a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's okay. But I had a lot of anger issues towards a lot of people, even the people that didn't have anything to do with it. I had a lot of anger issues. So the older women are ones that drew like, they draw to you and like, okay, well, we did this. You're going to get through this. Let's try to do this. We're going to start praying about it. We're going to start taking classes. I started doing different things like, okay, I'm not just going to let this time go to waste. And so when I would like veer off and start getting in trouble, it took the ones that become your mom, your sister, your best friends to be like, okay, so you're going to get on the right path. You're going to do this. But there was nothing that the prison system offered to help you deal with it. 
It's just mm-hmm. like you're there, you're going to do that, and we're going to start. Yeah, it's, I mean that's a it's a, a common theme that I hear. You know, I've done probably. I should probably count, but I've, I've done more than a hundred, more than hundred interviews, probably hundred fifty interviews with uh, you know people who have been through the prison system, mm-hmm. and it all starts with you know just really that, that personal decision. And also, yeah, like you said, people around you, people who can mentor and help you who've been through it, which which is so important. And which is once again, I'll mention it. It's so cool to see it sort of kind of continues through once uh, once once you get out of prison. That, yeah turn around and it's a helping hand back. So I did want to ask you a little bit more about when you received that clemency. So you received that. I mean, this is very recent. We're in April right now, early April. And it was what, February, 18th. February 18th. Mm-hmm. Is that, but that's not the day you were actually released. Yes. That's the day I was actually released. February 18th. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, so did you know it was coming that day or how, how did you find out? I didn't know. Um, <clears throat> I was at work and my unit manager called me to her office. And when I get to the office, I was, I didn't know what was going on. She just was looking at me and I kept asking her what was wrong. And she said, she's waiting on a phone call. So we're just sitting there looking at each other and um, she gets a phone call and then she hangs up and she says, well, today's the best day of your life. And I was like, okay. And she says, I just got a call from the White House. And I just took off screaming. I didn't know. I just took off screaming. And they're trying to contain me. And I'm just screaming and crying. And I just started praying about it. And they tell me that I got to be off the compound by the 4 o'clock count. And what that means is that they count the inmates ever so many hours. So I had to be off the count because I was no longer their property. And so I had an hour and maybe 15 minutes to get everything together and be off their compound. So this all happened in the, in what, like just a few hours you found out and then you were, you were right out the door. So how how did you have time to arrange getting picked up and and all that stuff? I really didn't. Uh, Once she told me, uh, she told me I had to be off the compound by the four o'clock count was clear. So I had called one of my friends and then I started calling my mother and then the president had already called my mother. Trump called my mother and she's screaming. So I really couldn't get anywhere with her. Um, So I had to hang up on her and call because I'm from Lubbock and I was in Bryan, Texas. So that's over 11 hours away. Mm -hmm. My mother wasn't able to come like make it in time to come get me. So I had friends that were in Houston and I had one of my friends. She made it like just in time to come get me. They were going to put me in a hotel until someone could come pick me up. Mm-hmm. But my friend made it in time to pick me up in time to get off the compound. So, what was the? Uh, what were some of the first things you did once you once you got out? That that really was some stuff that you were just you know waiting to do once once you got once you got your freedom back. I wanted to go buy real underwear. <laughs> <laughs> my friend took me to Target to go buy real underwear, and she bought me clothes. She got me a phone. I didn't know how to use a phone. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of fumbling with that. And then I wanted a banana split. Nice. <laughs> so and so where where did you go for your banana split? What's the Dairy Queen? <laughs> That'll work. I went to Dairy Queen and got a banana split and then we went to my friend's house and waited till my mom came the next morning. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met up with my my family and my baby, my dad, my mom, my aunt. They all came and we went to one of my cousins' house and it was just like a mini reunion. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's got to be something that, that while you were in prison, something that you thought about a lot, what, what it would be like. Um, did it, was it as you imagined or what was? I, I didn't get a chance to like plan. Like, you know, when you have chance to plan, you're like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to go do that. And it was just so instant that I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe it. It wasn't like I had dreamed of it over and over again. I always thought about getting out like, okay, I'd have to do this and I'll have enough time to plan to do halfway house where I can do this and get this done. But I didn't get that experience. It was just dropped in a bucket. Let's go. So is it correct that, so you don't have any, uh, any probation that you're serving now? Or are you, or are you still? I am on probation. Yes, I do have, um, I do have five years probation. Um, I've spoken with my probation officer and we're trying to see if after a full year of clear conduct probation, mm-hmm. I can apply to get off probation early, but I'm fine with doing a back being on probation. If they say walk upside down, I got it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show started, but it's gotta be a, a very unique, uh, I mean, there's, it's definitely unique because there's not many people in your shoes where you're coming out, you're getting your freedom. And then there's this whole thing where the entire country has to stay in their homes. <laughs> so, so can Always you, can you just share, share a little bit about your, what's, what's that been like for you? Well, when I first got out, like, okay, I had the plans. Okay. I'm going to try to get me a job. I'm going to try to do this. And I'm going to try to do that. Like, I had it all planned. And then it was just like, pump my break. Mm-hmm. We're in the house, but it's like, something I'm used to. So it's not hard to stay in the house and stay in one place and not do anything. I'm used to being in a room the size of a bathroom. Now I'm in a house. Mm -hmm. So it's not that hard for me. You can probably help, help others with how to, how to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it like with my kid, like me and him play little games or we sit on the internet and play little different stuff. He's showing me how to uh, migrate through my phone and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But it's not, Put a halt on me a little bit because I really want to try to get myself together and get a job and do everything. But with all this, it's just sit down and relax. Yeah. I mean, is if, if you look at it, because there are benefits to it. I think everybody <laughs> is sort of um, slowing down. You know, it's causing everyone to slow down and sort of, you know, look more towards your family and those closest to you. So it's... It's, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not all bad. Everything that's happening now, it's uh, yeah. giving people a chance to pause and really sort of reevaluate their life. Mm-hmm. But so I want to talk about just looking forward now. You know, looking uh, once we get past this corona coronavirus stuff, and five years from now, ten years from now, where do you see yourself? What 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 types of things would you like to? accomplish and, and maybe you haven't thought about this maybe you have thought about it sorry if i'm putting you on the spot but where, <laughs> where do you see yourself five years from now i would like to continue to work with the can do foundation the fed fan for life mm-hmm. the cut 50 just i would like to continue to pay it forward i know what it's like to go through it i know what it's like to be in it so any way that i can help or my story can help a person that's incarcerated or a little girl that's going through what I've went through. I just want to be able to pay it forward. If it's a juvenile or if it's a person incarcerated, if it's one of the organizations that need someone to come speak in regards to what I've been through, 
I'm willing and I'm hands in. And the uh, I'll, I'll link to the Can Do Foundation. Can Do website is CanDoClemency.com. Do you, do you happen to know the FedFam for Life website? It's the FedFamForLife.org. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll link to both those on the uh, on the show notes page, so uh, yeah. so people can go and check them out and uh, and support support the work that's, yeah. that's going on there. Um, we've had Amy Amy Pova on the show before, <laughs> and uh, we've had Trey Trey on the show too with uh, Fed mm-hmm. Fan for Life. Probably about two mm-hmm. years ago, Amy was probably about two years ago also. But yeah, yeah the work they're doing is just just incredible. Phenomenal, phenomenal, so, and it's but- all out of pocket phenomenal. Yeah, they're doing this. I mean, yeah, they're not making they're not making profits off of this. This is all coming from just the goodness of their heart. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess last question: Is there anything else, any message that you have you'd like to convey to, you know, maybe people out there who have loved ones in prison who are you know waiting for them to get out, uh, or just just people who just need a message of hope right now? I can say never give up. Like, it's something I always tell Trey, like, me and her have this little saying, I sent her some little cups. And I say, God gave me this life because I was strong enough to handle it. And through my faith and through prayer is what got me through. So if you're going through a situation like this, never give up. Mm -hmm. Because there's no telling when that leaf will turn over. Just continue to fight, continue to be strong, and continue to build. Because this can happen to anybody. And anybody can be released as well. All you need is just the right people behind you. And if not the right people, just yourself to have faith with what's going on mm-hmm. because it won't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. That is the truth. And that's that's great advice in this uh, this uncertain time, too, for the country. So, Tynese, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show, sharing your story. And uh, the more people that hear your story, I, I think it's, uh, it's so very important, like we <laughs> talked about, because it really shows that this can happen to absolutely anyone. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And I thank you for inviting me to be on your show. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Another great episode of Felony Friday. As you know, Felony Friday is one of three shows we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, we kick off every single week with our Monday show hosted by Mark Clare. It's our longest running program, our flagship program where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, liberty, swearing, and just just good fun. Check that out. You can get all three shows by subscribing for the great price of $0 per month. You get everything that we have here. So please check everything out, and uh, if you like it all, please think about, consider supporting what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty. A great way to do that is by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash Liberty. Another great way of doing that is by uh, following, liking, sharing our stuff on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Liberty. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Lions of Liberty. And the discussion forum where all the greatest and brightest minds go to to talk about politics, liberty, everything that's happening in the world today, current events, the Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook, which you can find by 
type in Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top of Facebook, clicking search, comes up, say you want to join it, answer a question, bam, you're in, and the rest is just going to be a great journey for you. So check that out. That's all I have for today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.